everybody i am sean graham scott alongside as always hello scott sean uh hi hello usually i think of something uh, to say but i didn't today so uh there's that you ever uh you ever tried taking turmeric for anti-inflammatory purposes i i have not no well supposedly it's good that's that's all i got today that's okay. i just saw that on my desk turmeric isn't isn't there some isn't something called turmeric yeah it's the same thing maybe i mispronounced it i have no idea i i don't know i don't know what right mm. anyway uh, anti-inflammation is especially good you know after curling because uh, uh when you get old like me <laughs> you get get a little inflammation there but uh, yeah and you know he's gonna need a lot of it scott all the teams who were in Prince George this weekend, uh, a lot of games being played out at the Women's World Curling Championship, which wrapped up on the weekend. We'll talk about our game at the end uh, for people who want to listen to that, because uh, it was kind of interesting last night uh, as we record this. And uh, we will be talking about the Men's World Championship coming up. If you're interested in our preview of the men, uh, just check down in the show notes. I'll put a timestamp for when we'll have uh, that discussion and a, and a brief chat about the Rachel Holman announcement. I'll put that timestamp in the show notes as well. But we will start with the Women's World Curling Championship. And Scott, I think the stat of the past four years on the women's side is that only one team won a world championship on this quad. And that is, of course, Sylvana Tiranzoni, that super team that was put together after the 2018 Olympic Games, the depth of Swiss curling was concentrated onto that team. And now they are three consecutive world champions over the past four years. Yeah, Sean, uh, it seems like putting a super team together is a pretty good way to win. Uh, just ask Carrie Anderson and ask uh, Sylvana Terenzoni. Yeah. yeah you're, you're right. The Swiss women three-peat i guess you call it right with a, a gap year in the middle but th- they were like clearly the class of this field all week like they, they're just dominant they have like a 60 percent last stone efficiency uh to convert those hammers yeah pretty pretty incredible just they scored 57 more points than their opponents uh more than double the second place team in the field which was sweden uh yeah there's a juggernaut a buzzsaw you don't want to run into yeah no and and just another couple of cool stats or stats just to further demonstrate how dominant they were they were two percent better than everybody all week in terms of shooting percentage as a team so that is Mm. kind of unheard of to be that much better at this level over the course of the week they only had three one point games in the round robin to germany the usa and to sweden of course the final was a one-point game coming down to the end. But they were just dominant all week. And if you take the totality of the event, in the old days, they would have won, and it would have been clinched by Thursday night. And Friday would have been meaningless. Uh, and so it's, it kind of feels right that they won based on this week. Not, not, not mm-hmm. just the totality of the four years, but this week alone, they were head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah, Sean, they gave up four steals, four stolen ends. All week. Good. That's in 14 games. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty good. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. uh, Incredible. Just, just a great performance by the team. Let's talk about the final a little bit. Uh, you talk about those multiples that they scored, Scott, and their ability to not give up steals. Uh, they didn't give up a steal to the Koreans in that final. But after the initial three spot that they score in the second end after blanking, the Koreans did a very good job of scoreboard management through the middle of the game. The Korea gets mm-hmm. forced to go down 3-1, but then they force, get their two, force, get their two to tie the game heading into the eighth end. So full credit for Kim Eun-jung and her team to rebound and to pull the game back and through those middle ends really kind of control the game a little bit. 
Yeah, that's uh, classic scoreboard management, as you said, you know, uh, forcing and then finding a way to get there too. Uh, definitely not easy against this Swiss team. So they were able to, you know, do what they could scoreboard wise, and then just kind of uh, ran out of steam at the end. There was like a couple uh, a tough shots that uh, the Swiss made uh, Kim Yunjin play. And so uh, they weren't able to, you know, finish that, but Overall, a uh, very strong, strong effort. Yeah, and the, late in the game, yeah, you, Kim had a couple, uh, after some shots, she looked up and was confused, right? She kind of lost the draw weight a little bit mm-hmm. at the the end of the game. But let's talk about that 10th then because tie game, Switzerland has the hammer coming home in years past. It's going to be two tick shots and peels and uh, a relatively uninteresting end. It ended up being a somewhat uninteresting end. But that's only because Esther made some just a, a couple pistols with her shots. But I like this guy. Like in years past, going into a tenth end tie game, I'd be like, eh, like, do I really need to watch it? Uh, but this one I was still compelled by because of the no tick rule. So you knew that if Korea was able to get their stones touching the center line, which isn't always a guarantee, but players at this level will do it well more often than not. Mm-hmm. I was excited to see how this would play out. We saw it in a, a, the Canada game uh, or one of the Canada games earlier in the week that just even though the result might not change, the process changed and how we got to this point in the end was different. So I liked it. But going into the 10th end and just the way that 10th end played out, what did you think? Is this is the f- highest profile spot that we've seen that no tick rule in place? Yeah, it definitely made it uh, more interesting. Uh, to watch the the 10th end than it normally would overall. I think I talked about this last week. I don't love this event for, for trying out this rule, but like you say, it did keep the games in doubt longer. So yeah, I mean, Esther Neuenschwander throws you know, a double peel, rolling the guard off, like basically, oh, okay. Now, now it, that's the, a similar result as getting the ticks on the first two is if your second comes in and just d- double peels center guards and rolls away yeah. then that's that's the new shot to make i guess yeah and and you look at where korea had those guards too yeah they're both touching the center line but they were on kind of opposite sides of the center line which mm-hmm. it's not a big difference between the two of them but there was just enough left to right separation that that shot's possible if they're perfectly lined up Maybe not so much, but just that extra couple inches here and there that allows Esther to make that shot changes the end around. So real, not only do you have to touch the center line, but you really have to be precise on those first two shots to extend the end. And of course they didn't. And it ends up with a pretty simple hit for Elena Pats to win that game. And uh, the crowd kind of slow clapped it, but it wasn't a full slow cap. So I was okay with it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, like, uh, all right, so you're totally out on slow claps, eh? Well, it just seemed like every time they did it, the person <laughs> missed the shot. And I know that's confirmation bias. Of course, it wasn't every time. Right. But I would venture a guess that the shooting percentage was lower on slow clap shots than it was on non-slow clap shots over the course of the week. And I felt very validated when both Carrie Galusha and Jill Officer agreed with me. Now, mm-hmm. that is some high power uh, individuals there who are agreeing with me on the not not full opposition to the slow clap, but that it, it does perhaps make it more challenging to communicate. And therefore, perhaps the shot percentage goes down a little bit. Yeah, I think it might be nicer if if you just, yeah, stay quiet. Let the uh, let the curlers do their thing. And then a nice roar once the shot is made, I think, can be more effective than a slow buildup to yeah. something, you know? Yeah, I like it when it's clear the shot's been made and it's at the hog line or something. And there, it's like on Alina Pats where it's just like clean, clean. And you know you've won the game. Sure. And that's where you erupt. Like that, that's, I, I like that. Now, if this was the wheelchair event, at the Paralympics or, or a wheelchair world championship or any sort of wheelchair event or even a scotch doubles where there's anything with no sweeping slow clap the hell out of the rock. I am all sure. in on yeah. that, you know, when there's no communication happening. Great. Go nuts. 
Yeah. So, uh, so congratulations to Switzerland. They finish out the quad with a world championship. Certainly a successful quad for them. They're the only ones who won a world championship. I'm sure they're still a little disappointed in the Olympics back in February. And it'll be curious to see what happens now with this team. It makes all the sense in the world for them to continue to play. But Savannah Terenzoni's been around for a while. Uh, Alina Pad, they've all been around for a while. Uh, if anyone wants mm-hmm. to move along uh, with the next stage of their life, certainly can't necessarily blame them for that. Of course, as a fan, you want to see them continue on to see what they can do in the next quad. And I would be somewhat su- surprised if anyone gave it up this year. Yeah, I wonder about uh, them going forward and how the Olympics uh, might impact their desire to keep going, right? Didn't have the Olympics that they wanted to. Mm-hmm. So w- w- was that enough of a push? Especially for t- uh, Silvana, because she's talked about uh, being in the near the end of her career. Yeah, and another four years is a big... Uh... Is a big commitment, but you have a European Olympics coming up. And yes, I know that Italy and Switzerland are different places, but is the possibility that, especially since you didn't have any family or or friends be able to come with you Mm. to Beijing, does the allure of one that's relatively close by make it more appealing and say like that could be the, a real culmination of the career potentially. Yeah. Yeah. It could be. That's, that's a good point. Uh, and and yes, it's not in Switzerland, but it's pretty close. Yeah. Just next door, uh, right? So Yeah. Yeah. Now a country that's not close to Switzerland is Korea. And uh, congratulations to Kim Eun-jung on her silver medal that she could put that on her shelf right next to her Olympic silver medal. I think the Olympic one's probably a little more going to get a little higher up uh, on mm-hmm. the shelf, more prominent spot. But a great week for the Korean side to come in and win that silver medal. They did benefit on Friday from Japan having to withdraw from the event. The The last round robin game for Japan, second last round robin game for Korea was a walkover for the Korean side, which put them in position to later that night beat Turkey and therefore get the second place position, which got them a bye into the semifinal. They were tied at nine and three with Sweden and Canada, but on last stone draw, they get through because they all beat each other. So fortunate for them. Uh, That's not to say they wouldn't have beaten Japan. Certainly they're capable of beating Japan, uh, but just a a nice little fortune uh, twist of fate for that team. Scott, what did you think of the Korean side? We've seen them. We talked about on the preview that uh, occasionally they're up, occasionally they're down. This was an up week for them. And whenever... Unjung has her draw weight. It's I know it's a simplification to say that's when they're going to do well, but she really had that this week and drew them out of some tough spots. Yeah, I think they benefited a lot from a soft start to the schedule. Uh, they sort of played all the teams that you would expect them to beat uh, up front. They raced out to that six and zero. Oh. Uh, came right back to six and three though with three consecutive losses. No, that's not true, is it? No. <laughs> It should have been three consecutive losses, one against Canada. We'll talk yes. about it. But they they sort of beat the teams that you would expect them to beat and struggled more against the teams that you would expect them to struggle against. So I would say th- that it was a good week by results. It was a good week for them sort of on the ice with their legs under them. But uh, they didn't show me that, like, we'll talk about the Canada semifinal too. I Like, I don't think yeah. they played particularly well in either of those Canada games and they really benefited from some mistakes that got them to where they are. Uh, yes, they yeah. won the games that were in front of them, but like you said, that, that game against Japan, having the walkover in it, it was a real big advantage because mm-hmm. uh, not only did they not have to play it, well, they win it, they don't have to play it. Uh, they get some practice time and don't have to, you know, face the grind of that 12th game at the end of a long week. And, and Japan was a team that was in the mix for the playoffs. It wasn't like Scotland where they lost their first two and then, okay, everybody gets a win against them. It's it's even playing field, right? So a pretty big advantage there. And then Kerry Anderson made mistakes that lost the two games against Korea. And those are, those are the, 
difference, right? And her getting not only to, to the gold medal game, but getting that second spot in the, in the playoffs. Yeah. So just before we get out, cause I know you're kind of, you're fired up about uh, those two games against Korea. Fired up. Uh, before we move off of that to team Canada, just to note that for the week, fourth overall shooting percentage for the Korean side and some big one point games, certainly the round robin game against Canada, but they beat the Czechs eight to seven. They beat Norway seven to six. So those are games that are coming down to those skip stones and she made some big shots in tight spots against, again, those teams that you would expect them to beat that, like you say, put them in position to get into the playoffs, get into that two spot. Uh, so a really good week for them. And we should also note the choreography they did on the walk of champions up the ice. And I wasn't sure what it was at the time. I just was enjoying that they were doing it. And somebody online I saw it today, and I think it might've come up on the girls podcast as well, that, they thought it was they they were doing a maple leaf as a salute oh. to the crowd. Okay, I I didn't see it myself, so Okay. So there you go. So congratulations to team Kim uh, after 4 years ago at this time or maybe 3 years ago at this time. Kind of amazing that they've made it all the way back to this point and they are again a high level team after everything that they went through. Uh, following the 2018 Olympic Games. So congratulations to them. And let's move on, Scott, to our bronze medalist. That is Team Canada, Carrie Anerson, her first world championship medal after not medaling last year and, of course, not having the opportunity to medal back in 2020. But, Scott, you were fired up over those two Korea games. Well, fired up, yeah. I mean, just like some weird choices uh, that they made strategy wise and then mixed execution or missed execution. Rather. I know that we don't like to criticize team Canada. It's like, they can. like just, they made bad personal shots about it. Right. We can't be personal about it. L- listen, they're a great team. Uh, they've won three straight national championships. Uh, they're going to come back for more. They'll be yeah. in the hunt uh, no matter what. They're really, really, really good. Carrie Anderson made, two like really bad shots on well so we'll start in the semifinal in that uh, ninth end where they were stacking all the stones up canada had two in the house but at the end of the day on the last shot korea sitting two canada has another one in the house for some reason she thought let's play this like skinny double when you know you hit it you hit one, you take your point, you're up two, going to the last end. I, I didn't really see the advantage in going for the skinny double to try and score two and be up three versus being up two. So I think that was a mistake strategically. And uh-huh. then, and then not only that, she missed it because she was in between the two shots and gave up a steal of one. So it was tied. I think if you're able to play the tick shots in the 10th, maybe that's something you try. Right. But since you know, you can't. And two days ago, you played this same team in a a game where you lost because you missed an easy shot. I don't know. I, 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 I thought it was the wrong call. What did you think? I didn't dislike it as much as you did, if I'm being honest. I I thought if you make that thin double, then you've won the game. And you're playing it such that if you miss it the way that she missed and she hit it too thick and goes over the top of the second Korean stone. If you miss it, you're still tied with the hammer. So I, I didn't, I wasn't that upset about it. I thought, okay, go try to win the game. You know, you, you have it, you have that chance. She's somebody who wants to play the hit. That's her strength. That's where she will lean to. And you saw it in that bronze medal game too. At one point she plays a, an angle run back that could have been for three. She eventually gets it for two, but th- that's where her eye goes. That's what she wants to throw. And I didn't see it as that, risky or as risky as I think you saw it in the moment. And 
I just thought she's playing aggressively. She's trying to end the game right now. That, that That's how I took it, and she missed it. And the issue more for me was in that 10th end, they yeah. just couldn't quite get things into a spot where, like, she didn't really have a shot at the end of the game. And it was the execution in the 10th end that I thought was uh, unfortunate for them as a team. They just couldn't quite get the peels the way they needed them. The Then Korea is able to stack things up in the house on them with with two stones essentially on the button and it just i know at the end of the game like that uh, russ thought the final guard from uh, kim and jung was bad because it left this long center run for carrie anderson but i was sitting there thinking like that's a 20 foot run on a nose hit like that's yeah. not an easy shot so I don't know. I think I think the tenth then more was the execution issue. I, I I understand having an issue with the strategy decision, and certainly scoring is never really a bad thing. Sometimes it might be, but it's never fundamentally wrong to score a point. But I understood it. Okay, and and like I say, if you're able to play those tick shots in the tenth end, I understand it more. But this is a team against whom you were stolen on in the 10th and an extra two days ago. And they just stole one to tie the game. You like Canada, they scored three in the seventh end. Like, so they scored a big three to go up. Yeah. They score three Uh, and then they give up two back a three in the Uh, seventh and they gave up a two right back. And we were watching this together and I said, Oh, well, like you give up this two right back that, was also sort of like oh, really like did you really have to do and so it seemed to me like a bit of mixed mixed execution on that end too and i i even said to you like well they're gonna steal and win it like <laughs> i had no confidence in them at that point right. based on the way that they were playing and based on what had already happened val wasn't as good in that semifinal as she had been earlier in the week and it, it, if you look at the wins and losses it was how Val Sweeting goes, so goes the team, which is usually the case with thirds. But uh, just, just wasn't what I would expect uh, fr- from a team that's so good mm-hmm. to put themselves in that kind of a position. Like it was a pretty easy nose hit for one, and then you're up two, and okay, maybe maybe they get a two and you go to the extra end then, but that gives you two shots rather than just the one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have, you have two shots to end the game. Yeah. I mean, she did have to roll on the hit. I don't think it was just a nose. I think there was a little roll to the inside on the shot stone uh, to, to be sure about it. So, I mean, it's not, it's not a gimme uh, by any means. So, uh, so yeah, I think we just disagree on, on the call there. And when you, when you refer to what happened before, you're talking about the game Thursday night uh, or Wednesday, yeah. whenever it was against Thursday Korea night, yeah. in which, the Koreans steal 10, steal 11 to win the game. And those ones, those two ends, I didn't feel really in either case were strategy issues to me, at least in the 10th mm-hmm. end, they didn't get the peels the way they wanted to. And then in the 10th end on Carrie's last one, she just overthrows it. And then similarly in the, the 11th end, it's just a miss. Those are physical errors that are going to come up in the yeah. course of a game. And that, that happens, right? So uh, well, it's a game, yes, they should have won, but they didn't. Right. And so, and and also in the extra, you had like missed double peels and stuff. And and that 10th end shot, if so, like if we're saying Canada is great at curling and Canada should win world gold medals and stuff, that's like an easy shot. You have to make that shot. And yes, of course, you can forgive not making it, right? Because like whatever it's a game but if like team canada wants to look back and see why they lost this this event why they didn't get a gold medal in this event i think you look at that shot in the 10th end first and foremost of, of that game thursday night and that's an easy hit for the win they give up a steal you go to the extra end this no tick rule is still in play it's messing with their heads a little bit i think and then they're just not able to execute and on the last one, it was like a raise she was trying. And yeah, it just didn't go to the right spot. I'm looking at the shot chart here. Yeah. And it's just one of those like, what are we even doing out here, man? Like, oh, she tried to like come down to it and tap it. 
and it rolled too far. This is a, a situation where I think the the team's approach was, oh, this is how we usually play, not factoring into to the equation like, oh, we can't play tick shots this week. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess my strategic criticism is more maybe aimed at the rule rather than the team themselves. But then, yeah, those uh, those physical errors are what's going to cause you to not win. Yeah, and, and that's what happened. I mean, you could look at it, though, too. There's a scenario, a very plausible scenario, in which they win the game on Thursday night, and they still play Korea in the semifinal. Now they have the, hand, uh, the, the hammer, excuse me, to start the game in that scenario. But... Yeah, but it, so you saw... You saw that the two teams with the buys made it to the final, right? Like, okay, I think there's but, an advantage but Scott, to not. No, but no, I don't think like, playing I, that but, semi. No, because there is. We have a bevy of of data from the past few Scotties and Briars in which the team that had the buy on Sunday into the final that didn't have to play the semifinal after winning the one-two game has lost, uh, or last year in the bubble, the team that just got straight through. So yeah, yeah, I don't think there's a definitive sense of, oh, having the buy is a fundamental advantage because we've seen so many teams lose with the buy. So, okay, maybe not a fundamental advantage, but it is an advantage. I guess. Well, you get hammer and you get to rest. The hammer is the biggest advantage. But again, even at that, we've seen a lot of teams lose in that scenario. Yeah, yeah. But, so, uh, I, I, well, I'm, I'm saying like, based on how they performed at last year's world championships, yeah. that having the confidence of finishing in the, that top two and getting a bye to the semifinal could have been advent, advantageous to this team. Potentially, but this team was so much better than this year than last year. It was more much relaxed over year. the course of the week. Uh, yeah. It was a much improved performance for them. And uh, they come away with the bronze medal, as we said, beating Sweden in that bronze medal game. And I, I would just... Going back to something else you said, Scott, like should like the expectation of Canada winning gold medal. I don't expect them to win. No, uh, Sean, you and I don't. But like when like, we're talking about their expectations of winning and the, the collective that we see uh, come out on curling Twitter, right? Like the, these are things that I can point to to say why they didn't win. Yeah. And again, they would expect to make those shots too. Right. Like yeah. that, that's how they would expect it. And so, yeah, so I don't think we're saying anything that in terms of those specific shots that, you know, it, it's the OG and an OB that uh, I don't shoot to miss. Right. So, yeah. Uh, and, and Sean, this team should have represented Canada and did represent them really well. Yep. And uh, I have no problems with that. I'm just, uh, I'm just like, I was frustrated because I thought that there was more there that they could have done. All right. Well, you know who else probably thinks there was more there that could have been done? Anna Hasselberg still looking mm-hmm. for her first world championship victory. She loses the semifinal game against Switzerland. Uh, was not the feature game, of course, on TSN. But from the updates, it looked like a pretty good game back and forth. And uh, ultimately, of course, Switzerland comes out on top. So going to be a disappointing week for Anna Hasselberg uh, not getting that world championship Mm-hmm. Come back next year, you know. She's uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers here at this point uh, in terms of looking for that world championship and uh, see what happens with that team, assuming that everyone comes back. But uh, certainly I'm sure Anna Hasselberg will be a little disappointed uh, mm-hmm. at what uh, what her week was. Yeah, I think so. Uh, very tight game back and forth with Switzerland. A, a bit of bad luck for them to uh, finish in fourth place and have to you know, have to play that that game against Switzerland in the 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 semifinal. They had them sort of bracketed so that it wouldn't have reseeded. Yeah. Right. So you know, even if Canada had lost to to Denmark, then Denmark would have played Korea, and so a, a bit of a tough uh, a tough thing for Hasselberg. They uh, probably needed to be better on their last stone draws for the week. They finished third amongst uh, the Korea Canada. Uh, and themselves yeah so no korea was seventh for the week. yeah so so korea was 37.42 centimeters canada 37.69 that's the difference uh, on that buy or not and then sweden yeah mm-hmm. down at 42.09 centimeters over the course of the week so that gets you 
third place amongst those teams. Yeah, yeah. And he, the the game against uh, Switzerland, you're right. We we just got updates here and there as it was happening. Uh, tight game, as always, between those two. It's always going to be good. Uh, came down to the very end. So a uh, tough break there. And then the next day, it seemed like they were just just a little bit off. Uh, but Kerry Anderson and, and their team, to their credit, regrouped, played really, really well on uh, Sunday morning to capture that bronze medal. And uh, the other playoff teams mentioned it. Uh, the, Canada beat Denmark. Full credit, Madeline Dupont. She comes through the week going 7-5 and five to qualify for the playoffs. Gave Canada a bit of a run in that qualification game. Uh, they were a lot of fun, dancing, having a good time. Scott... We gave you a lot of grief on Twitter and in our group chat with Rocks Across the Pond for your lack of faith in Malin Dupont's ability to make the playoffs. And uh, Scott, I will give you the floor right now. If you ever want to go to Copenhagen, maybe this is your chance for a bit of a mea culpa for uh, them to let you into the country. Um, <laughs> I don't know, Sean. They, they were minus nine on the week. They had four four points and scored against them eh, they're fine they're fine back-to-back playoffs yeah back-to-back playoffs uh full credit there but uh they beat who they were supposed to beat and they yep. didn't beat who they weren't <laughs> yeah does that make sense yeah, I mean, big win. They they did beat the Koreans. That was the Koreans' third loss there. So that was a, a nice win for them, uh, no question about it. Uh, but yeah, nip and tuck against Turkey. Uh, they lost to the Swiss, the Swedes, and the Canadians. So yeah, they won where they were supposed to to get to 7-5. and five, uh, So so good for them. Uh, the Americans round out the playoff field. Corey Christensen and her team finish 8-5. and four Four. to get that five spot good week for them uh debut team i i wasn't expecting that many wins out of this team i would have thought the final spot especially once we got later into the week i would have gone to potentially japan uh maybe denmark would have fallen i know we talked about that last week and i think that's what you Mm -hmm. thought would happen scott that denmark would fall out japan would get in of course tough situation for japan at the end of the week but good job Corey christensen Nina Roth and that team is still there. Be interesting to see what potential lineup shakeups go down in the United States. But it was nice to see that you could have another women's team from the United States come and be competitive at the world level. So that's just a good thing for the state of the sport in the United States. For sure, for sure. They were a good story this week uh, and, and a fun team to watch too. Uh, so we touched on the Japanese situation. Of course, uh, COVID goes through the team uh, on Friday morning. There were uh, tests that came back positive. So they had to withdraw. They end up six and six. And really all I can say about that is hope everyone's feeling well and uh, can get back to Japan safely uh, when the time comes. Round out the field, Norway goes five and seven, as does Germany. Italy, Stefania Constantini, a bit of a disappointing week for her at four and eight. But again, the focus for her and that team is going to be 2026 and building to that. Uh, the Czech Republic, two and 10. Of course, the Scottish team, they got two games in, uh, lost them both uh, by somewhat sizable margins. And then they had to leave because of COVID, as we talked about last week. And then perhaps the, the secondary story of the week, Turkey. And uh, Desal Yildiz making her debut and the country's debut at a world championship. They get the win over the Czech Republic on Wednesday or Thursday night. And a good job, Prince George crowd, recognizing what that was. Big ovation for the team. So we, we talked in the preview, Scott. If they got one win, that would be great. A lot of fun. They actually mm-hmm. end up in 11th place in the 13-team field because of the win over the Czech Republic. So uh, full credit to them. And I'm going to say that this isn't the last time we see her at a world championship. Maybe not next year, but I think she'll be back. Yeah, for sure. The The future is bright with uh, curling there in Turkey. Uh, and that was really fun to watch them win that game. And yeah, like you say, get the ovation, wave to the crowd. They were sort of fan favorites uh, yeah. among, among the crowd there that week. So there you have it. Women's World Curling Championship. Uh, anything else, Scott, that uh, came up for you from Prince George? Oh, it was a lot of fun to watch. I'm, 
I'm not on board with the WCF's new streaming place, but no. uh, like I wish it was back on YouTube. But yeah. you know, we'll uh, take what we can get, and uh, I'll try to be better at it for the men's worlds. Yeah, it's uh, suboptimal for sure. The YouTube one is much better. I'll say the Canadian Juniors is going on right now. I just sort of hopped up on YouTube because Google knows all of the algorithms and knows what I want to watch. It's just right there. It's so easy. And uh, but hey, if it's making money, then I guess that's then I guess it's successful. Exactly. All right. So again, congratulations to Switzerland on their world championship and affirming our statement that uh, Swiss women were the best in the 2010s uh, in our decade recap back in the summer. So let us move on to the next and final or second to final world championship of the spring. That is going to be the men's world curling championship in Las Vegas. And as of this moment, Scott, I am scheduled to be there for some of it. I'll be there for part of the opening weekend at the men's worlds. Yeah, that's exciting for you, Sean. Uh, getting to go all the way to Las Vegas, beautiful. What they what do they say? Lost wages, and uh, <laughs> post up there at the Orleans Casino and Hotel. Uh, great venue. It, it was really fun going for the Continental Cup. So I'm excited for you to get the chance to go and check out some of the curling. Yeah, it should be a good time. This is my third time, I think, going down for a curling event uh, there at the Orleans. As you say, it's a wonderful venue for curling. And in terms of the lost wages, I'm up uh, from the Orleans Casino uh, in my life. So maybe I'll just keep it that way. Just won't play. There you go. But, uh, but I have a strategy that uh, has worked out well. And my fear, Scott, is if I lose now that the strategy, which is fundamentally flawed, I know. But since I'm up on it, I'm like, well, it works. So I, I don't want to play and then lose because then I lose the ability to say that the strategy makes any logical sense, which it uh, does not. But it, uh, it does not. Yeah. So, uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm excited to go. Uh, same format as the women's world championship. Thirteen teams in the field for a twelve-team round robin. And like the women's field, I would argue that this is a somewhat compromised field compared to what we've seen in the past. Uh, China, of course, did not send a team to the Pacific Asia Curling Championship on either the men's or the women's side, so you don't have a Chinese representative. A bigger deal, I think, on the women's side than on the men's side in terms of strength of field. You also don't have Russia, as, of course, they have been banned from WCF events. Finland takes their place as the final team from the world qualifier and as we go through the list a couple high profile teams not there so scott how would you just assess the overall state of this field looking at who's there who's not well to be honest sean i'm having a lot of trouble because the world curling federation website just lists all the countries (laughs) and not the teams so i'm furiously clicking through and you know what wikipedia will be my resource okay uh, so I'm not able to find anything else. So uh, obviously some of the big ones is that Ross Patterson is going for Scotland and not Bruce Mowat. Corey Dropkin will be there for the U S and not yep. uh, Schuster. And Correct. then there was another one. Yannick Schwaller, I would say is the other big one that uh, Peter de Cruz, uh, they, they went winless at the Swiss championship uh, after coming back from the Olympics. I'm tired to really That's blame right. them for that. Uh, so it'll be Yannick Schwaller in the field there. And uh, so those are probably the biggest names that are missing from Mm -hmm. the field. uh, If you add in, of course, the Russians as well. So not the strongest of fields, certainly not as strong as we saw last year, but as we just saw with the women's, that doesn't mean that we can't have a fun event. So Scott, I'm going to go through the teams. I have them all listed here of of who's there. I have a, a stat or two for each team. And I've divvied them up into tiers, as we like to do on the show sometimes for previews. So the first tier I have as the teams who I think can win. So let's start with the three-time defending world champion and the reigning Olympic champion, Nicholas Adin. Scott, you want to hear just a a fun little stat too? Uh, or, Or here's a question, not even a stat. But okay, what year do you think is the last time Nicodine nor a Canadian won the men's world championship. 2012. 
Ooh, okay. He went further back. It's 2014 with Thomas Ulsrud. And then in 15, it was Nicodine. 16, Kevin Cooey. 17, Brad Gushu. And then all the ones since then have been won by Nicholas Adine. Uh, so three-time defending champ. The only question really, Scott, is how are they post-Olympics? They did not win the Swedish National Championship. In fact, they mm-hmm. missed the playoffs at the Swedish National Championship. Now... <laughs> it's possible that they were having a very, very good time at that Swedish national championship as the reigning Olympic champions, probably, uh, you know, kissing babies, shaking hands, doing all that thing that reigning Olympic champions do. But a minor red flag, perhaps? Perhaps, yeah. To to not make the playoffs, that's pretty weird. I, I was wondering when I saw that if Sweden might send another team be, being like, uh, you guys have won... Uh, many, yeah. many in a row. Um, and sorry, going back to your question, Sean, Nicholas Eden won in 2013 as well, right? That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. In Victoria. So, uh, yeah. So my 2012 guess was based on that one, but, right. uh, 2014 for sure. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that they're going to be my pick, uh, going forward, which is probably stupid because uh, neither <laughs> of us pick Switzerland to win the women either. Um, right. but, uh, yeah, maybe they were just taking it easy, knowing that they had this berth uh, home and cooled out and, you know, wanting to give other players something to talk about at the, <laughs> at, at the bar uh, for years and years to come. That's I right, beat yeah. Nicholas Adin in the <laughs> national championships. So, yeah, well, yeah. somebody else gets the national championship here, which was also the case. I looked it up that they didn't win in 2017, I believe, uh, the Swedish mm-hmm. national championship either. I don't think they participated participated in that event uh as somebody was injured maybe it was nicodine after one of his surgeries but they got to go to the world championship that year as well so within the last five years a couple folks have banners on their their walls you know yeah you know on their walls uh so uh, we'll see what happens with nicodine and his team but certainly a favorite going in the other team scott that i think can win is Brad Gushu Team Canada coming off that rather remarkable Briar victory? They will be going for their second world championship. They won back in 2017, as I mentioned, lost in 2018 to Nicodine in the Orleans Arena in that uh, gold medal match. So those are the two teams I think can win. And I, I say this when I didn't give Gushu a chance in the Briar. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's I, I would feel weird saying, well, they don't have a chance here either because obviously they do, but how how much like how much reserve do you have as a human being? I know they rested a bunch over the past couple of weeks, but it's quick turnaround to quick turnaround to quick turnaround. And also more time zones, right? From China to Newfoundland now to the West Coast, which is harder mm-hmm. for someone from Newfoundland because it's four and a half versus three hours. But he also said on that curling show, they're not going to stay in the hotel there. Uh, I guess they're probably going to rent a house, go in and out uh, from the arena. Yeah. So they're not always surrounded by folks. But I don't know, Scott, what, what do you think? Because th- this is the tier to me as the teams who can win. Uh, to me, it's too deep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's like, yeah, dark horse possibilities there for sure. But uh, these are the two uh, definite standouts among the field. Uh, with Mowat not being there. So I, I think getting a house is the, the right idea. They'll be able to cook their own food. Uh, the families can come and stay with them if they want without it being too, uh, you know, too much distraction, you know, hopefully. And uh, yeah, the, the arena is great because it's attached to the hotel, which is attached to the casino. So for the fans going, it's perfect, right? Uh, just wander down the hall to the arena and there you are. But when you're a player, yeah, I could see get out of there. That's going to be the best, uh, the best way to go. So uh, I think that's a good move. And yeah, this, yeah, it was between these two when I was picking my uh, my winner. So, yeah. all right, well, let's move on to the next tier as the teams that should be gunning for the playoffs. And hey, upsets might happen and maybe make it into a gold medal game. And I'm going to start with Yannick Schwaller and the Swiss side. He's had a pretty good year this year. He's 48 and 24 on the season, but combined two and six at the Grand Slams this year. Did not make the playoffs in either 
of those. Uh, he did win the 2019 silver at the European Championship in one of the rare occasions where he's been able to play as Team Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Uh, won the uh, Baden Masters earlier this year, beat Nick Adin in the semifinal, Peter de Cruz in the final there. But I, I don't know. I, I, they, they can beat anybody in this field, certainly. But can they put it together over the course of the whole week to be in position to capitalize on something next weekend or, or a week and a half from now? I don't know. But I, I would say they're probably the top of this next tier. I would agree. Uh, it's it's between them and Patterson for me, who I'm sure we'll talk about next. Uh, that's at the top of the next tier. If they can, if they can put it together and get it going, uh, they're going to be really, really tough to beat. Uh, the thing is, their variability is a little bit more than we see with uh, Sweden or Canada. The, the floor is a little bit lower. Yeah, uh, we've certainly seen that. I mean, they got swept in the Swiss Olympic qualifier, for instance. Mm-hmm. So it, it will be interesting to see how they, they come in as a team that probably a lot of teams are looking at are, are in this field thinking, oh, that's one of the better teams here. And uh, mm-hmm. it's probably one of the first times that they would have that level of expectation potentially on them and on themselves. So be curious to see how that plays out. Uh, you're right, Scott. Next team in this tier for me is Scotland. Ross Patterson throwing the four stone. According to the World Curling Federation info that uh, I got, Kyle Waddell is going to call the game and Ross Patterson is going to throw fourth in a bit hmm. of a lineup shakeup for this team. Kyle Waddell was the second on the Olympic team back in 2018, skipped by Kyle Smith, a team that went five and four at the Pyeongchang Olympics. Scott, we've seen Ross Patterson at some grand slams. We know he can play. Jonathan is certainly very high on him. And uh, this is a good chance for him and the rest of the team to really break out. And who knows how many chances they're going to get at this stage, especially for Ross Patterson at his point in his career. He's older than Bruce Mallett. And mm-hmm. which is you know, crazy, right? What, like, yeah. Like, like, so how many chances is he going to get to come out of, out of that association? Yeah, I think uh, this is like like you said, one of their only chances uh, we'll see if they're able to, you know, perform given the challenges that went on to their being here uh, from team Mowat. Uh, there's, you know, a bit of a change to the team, but they're super strong. Uh, all players, all the players are really good. Um, I, we saw Patterson win a grand slam a couple of years ago. So, He's capable of playing with this caliber of, of teams. It's whether they bring it all together uh, for that week. Uh, again, it's it's I could see like a lower floor than for uh, Canada or Sweden, but uh, the ceiling is the same. Yeah. All right, let's move on, Scott. This next team might surprise you a little bit as to where I have them, but I have the Koreans next up, uh, skipped by Changmin Kim. Uh, he in second, Si Hyung Seung were fourth in 2018 playing at the World Championship. And Soo Hyuk Kim, who is the third, he skipped the team back in 2019. That team went 1-11 and 11 over the course of that event. So there is experience on this team, but not a lot of experience uh, that has found success. That team in 2018 did finish fourth, but not a medal amongst this group at the World Championship. But there's enough experience here, Scott, that I put them ahead of some of the other teams in the field. Okay, yeah, I am surprised uh, by that, Sean, uh, for sure. That You're right, after 2018, I think even I might have picked them to make the playoffs in 2019. And uh, they returned that one, one <laughs> in 11 or whatever performance. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I this this is like the ultimate variability team, right? That yeah. uh, they they have gone well, not all of them, right? But have gone one and eleven, or could make the playoffs. Um, I don't think I would have them ranked uh, number five among the teams here, but yeah, they'll be. I would hope at, at, because it's fun to watch, but uh, their high upside is playoff conversation. All right, another team that I think will be in the playoff conversation, the Americans. Corey Dropkin is going to be making his debut at a world championship. His team, the Young Bucks, uh, as they brand themselves, have Joe Polo throwing the third <laughs> stone, uh, making his seventh world championship appearance. Uh, so, you know, Joe brings up the average age of this team a little bit, but it's good to have that experience, I think, on the team, Scott, uh, for a guy who's going to be there. And don't discount the potential pressure of being the host team 
you know, the in the past for these events in Vegas, certainly it's a very Canadian crowd and a very pro-Canadian crowd. But there are going to be some Americans there too. And a lot of Canadians will cheer for the American team when they're not playing against Canada. So, you know, there is something there to be said about being the host team. So I think having Joe Polo there to guide through that, but also guide them through what a world championship is like and the extra little things that come along with it. It's good to have that experienced hand there, but uh, Corey Dropkin can certainly make all the shots. We've seen that uh, various events, including the, Olympic qualifying event uh, where he played John Schuster, very, very tough. And Schuster was very complimentary saying that's the toughest that he's ever had to work to get to an Olympic game. So I I don't know, Scott, I I think certainly uh, playoff expectations for this team. I think so. Yeah. This is the up and coming uh, rank on the men's side in the U S we saw the women in the U S ascend sort of the, the next rank uh, and do really, really well uh, in Prince George. So I would expect something similar from this team. Yeah, they should be knocking on the door of the playoffs uh, by the end of the week. Now, a team that has gone through the first-timer, starting to build up the experience, that's Germany, Sixten Totzik. He is back after going 4-9 last year in the bubble and 3-6 and six at the European Championship earlier this season. Did not make it into the Olympic Games, Scott. Still, obviously, a young guy. Uh, overall, a young team. We talked about this with some of the teams on the women's side. Maybe this is a field that, since it's a little more open, this could be his chance to take that next step, maybe get into the playoffs, and potentially challenge for a medal. Fun fact, Sean. Did you know that Sixten Totsik is a millennium baby born January wow. 1st, 2000? Wow. Crazy, How about right? that? Um, I think that was playing. I think his parents planned that. Yeah, I think that's it. You schedule the, yeah, the for, delivery like, for that the, day. Yeah, yeah, you induce right there and get it. Yeah, pro- probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> pretty pretty cool coming back to the World Championships again this year. Uh, like you say, they're young. They're getting experience. They're quite good. Uh, yeah. Whether they're ready this year, I'm not sure. I With the Daniela Yench team, you know, they've been there so many times and they've shown it in in spurts but uh i would say this german team still still like simmering not not quite ready to boil over just yet all right uh then the last team that i have in this tier scott that's norway Uh, magnus ramsfeld will be skipping this team went two and ten in 2019 of course this is not the team that qualified Norway for the event. That was Stefan Wallstad who qualified out of the European Championship and, of course, went to the Olympics as well. But they are not playing here this week. It is Magnus Ramsfeld. So I have them sort of at the, the bottom end of this potential playoff team tier. Just we haven't seen them a lot when we have seen them at the Worlds. Not a lot of success for Magnus so far. Sean, I'm shocked that this is the last team in your in your tier. And we'll get to that. Wikipedia is wrong, so uh, I'm going to have to go change uh, the Norway entry on Wikipedia uh, because that does have Stefan Wallstead there representing Norway. Yeah, this, I don't. I, if it's not Wallstead, Sean, I don't think that Norway is going to be close to the playoffs this year. Uh, Remsfeld won Norway 2019, and uh, you know, sort of the young up-and-coming team replacing uh, Thomas Olsrud. And things didn't go great. So it's no. nice to see them get another shot at it. But uh, there's a team that we haven't talked about yet, Sean, that I would definitely put above them in really? my rankings. Really? Who am, I, who am I missing? Oh, you're right. Sorry, I skipped a team that I actually had written down ahead of them. <laughs> um, so you're right. Uh, yes, Italy. Uh, okay. yes, I, I have them written down ahead. Uh but yes, they, I, I just skipped over them for whatever reason. So yes, Italy would be in this tier as well. It would be higher up. Uh, Joel Reiternaz is back. And of course, that team went 7-6 and six last year. A little disappointing 3-6 and six performance at the Olympics. But Amos Masaner was uh, flying high off of his gold medal in the mixed doubles. Uh, so yes, they are back. And yeah, I, I do have them. Uh, my expectations of them, yes, are higher than of the yeah. Norwegian side. I just uh, did miss them. So you're you're high on the Italians, Scott? Yeah, I'm quite high on the Italians uh, this week. Uh, 
I, I don't know. I just like their team. I think in the, against this field, uh, should be they should be primed to uh, make it into that playoffs, especially with the sixteen playoffs. Just I, I think uh, I think it's their their turn. All right, uh, good stuff. So let's go on to this final tier, Scott. Teams that uh, I'm not super optimistic about their chances to make the playoffs, but I've pulled some stats to demonstrate why nobody should take them lightly when they go play them. And I'm going to start with the Czech Republic and Lucas Klima. He is making his, uh, I believe, debut at the World Championship. Went four and five at the European Championship earlier this season, but's got very close games there. Had two one-point losses, one two-point loss, so very easily could have been above 500 and potentially into the playoffs there. During that event, beat Nicodine, also beat Stefan Wallstad. So those are two really good wins there. In terms of shooting percentage, lower end of the pack, not great. They did struggle on Last Rock draw, so you're going to want to improve that and, and start the game from that position of power. But ultimately, Scott, they were very good on some of the other peripherals. 54% force efficiency for context. Sweden was 57% in that event. So they can hang with teams, so don't sleep on them because they can make some shots and uh, you could be looking up at the end of the game thinking, we're, we're losing. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely good shot maker. He did play in the 2015 Worlds with um, Yuri Schnitel, I think. Yeah, Yuri Schnitel. So uh, not his first rodeo. He was the third in that event, but his uh, debut skipping here. So we'll uh, look out for it. Yeah, they they could put a scare into some teams, sure. Yeah. Oh, also, before we go, Sean, uh, uh, four different curling clubs represented on that team. Oh, that's Uh, fun. uh, every player from a different club, pretty fun. <laughs> That'll be the test yeah. for whether Canada still needs residency rules or not. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that used to be the rule in Canada. You had to be from the same club, not just the mm-hmm. same town or province. Yeah. All right, uh, let's move on to the Dutch, uh, one of our favorite teams. It's uh, Wouter Goskins is back. Of course, with the Jaap Van Dorp, this team has struggled in the past two and 11 last year. One and eight at the Euros did have to go to that world qualification event, but mm-hmm. they came through and they won the last game against Finland to get this spot. They are going to have to improve on their defense. They gave up 20 multiple ends in the European Championship in nine games. Also gave up 12 steals against. They're going to have to improve that. But what is good for this team is that Wooter can do some magic here. Now, too often he's asked to do it, and it's it's rare to make those crazy angle Mm -hmm. shots, but he is capable of it. So you don't necessarily want to be in a situation late in the game where he has some sort of... It's kind of like John Epping... 10 years ago where John Epping had the shots, but he just wasn't putting them together consistently enough. And uh, Wooter's a little like that with just even less consistency, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But, but just, yeah, don't give him a crazy shot because he can make it at the end of a game. Yeah. I think that maybe they, they think, Oh, well, we'll clean this up later with yeah. some double peels and then you can't and you get into trouble. But uh, if there's one, t- team or person i want you to interview sean uh when you go down to <laughs> vegas it's a uh, wooter and yap all right put them Get on the audio. top of the list yeah yeah <laughs> all right rounding out the field the team that got in after the russians were banned from this event uh that is finland they lost the final world qualification game as mentioned to the netherlands Skipped by Kali Kiskinen, his seventh appearance at the World Championship last time in 2016 as an alternate. But Scott, he was the second on Marku Usi Pavel Niemi's silver medal winning team back in 2006. So obviously he can play a little bit and certainly you don't want to take him lightly because unlike most of the players in this field, he's got an Olympic medal. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool fact. Uh, UC, UC Pavel Nieme is uh, one of the great names. Uh, they call him U15 uh, back in the day, but 
No, that's good. Uh, yeah, if, if they win a couple, they'll be happy. Uh, yeah. But Sean, that's not the last team in the field because we haven't talked about Denmark. According to the World Curling Federation, it's uh, the, this team that is going to represent them this week is skipped by Tobias Toon. Oh, is it? So uh, That's what's in their press uh, release. I'll tell you what, Wikipedia failed me again. That's two strikes, Wikipedia. Two strikes. <laughs> I'm not going to stand for a third. So yeah, Tobias <laughs> Tobias Tune is the the other sort of the, the other team from Denmark, right? And he was uh, slated to be their alternate there at the uh, at the World. So uh, who else is on the team, Sean? Uh, this is all they're giving me on the World Curling Federation uh, release. Okay, so uh, maybe tune into Rocks Across the Pond for a better. I don't know, like preview of the, Danish the, curling. Yeah, but... their website isn't great. I I went through the the media guide which doesn't have rosters uh so it's just going on this mm. press release that they sent out and it says for denmark skipped by tobias tune who's also making his okay. second appearance but first does skip so okay okay so uh yeah we'll see what we get some combination of danish curlers they're pretty fun to watch i i, I guess i don't have as much a hate on for them as i do uh <laughs> madeline dupont and, and team <laughs> But uh, no, they should be uh, fun to watch. They made the Olympics, which was a huge, a huge accomplishment for them this year uh, for the Federation. So we'll see what they can do at the Worlds to keep that momentum going. Yeah. All right, Scott, uh, let's do it. Let's just do podiums for this. Uh, who is your podium or what is your podium for the 2022 Men's World Curling Championship? Oh boy, Sean. Well, we picked uh, six playoff teams for the women's, so I picked six for. All right, we'll give, go all six then. Go all six. So uh, I, I'm picking Canada to win with Sweden, Scotland, USA, Italy, and Switzerland. Okay, I will go with uh, Canada to win. A uh, nice feather in the cap of that Gushu team beating Sweden in the final. Then I will take the Americans. The germans the koreans and the scots one more playoff teams isn't that four more you gave four more but there's six teams that make the playoffs yeah canada sweden oh you didn't say sweden oh sorry uh so there you have it those are my six i'm picking sweden to finish second so very good there you have that that is the 2022 world men's curling championship pacific time out in vegas and so two pacific time world championships which i guess that's better from a canadian perspective than like a pacific one and then like one in asia or something yeah yeah i uh i mean i got a little mixed up uh you know they wouldn't start the games till not until noon here so i'd sort of forget about them by the time they were going, but it's better than uh, the alternative. I agree. So there you have it next week. Uh, the plan is for us to release some audio from down there at the world championship. We'll see what we can get uh, set up there. So uh, look forward to that. Uh, there is some other news in the world of curling. Uh, Tracy Flurry is joining team home and Scott, we don't have a lot of time here. So just give me your one word reaction to that. And uh, we'll do a full recap and uh, assessment of the teams once the season is over. But what was your initial like one word reaction when you heard on Friday night that Tracy Flurry was joining the team? Meh. Okay. All right. Mine was, huh? So uh, it'll be curious to sort of see, uh, how that plays out. They, they don't have an announcement yet or haven't officially announced what the lineup is going to be, uh, who's throwing where. Uh, so um, we'll wait until that comes out to to do a bit of a dive into that. Other news uh, in the world of curling that affects really, really just us and some other people. I mean, he's a really good player, but Cam Goodkey is a free agent, according to the uh, the team tracker over on Curling Geek. Uh, and we love playing against Cam Goodkey here in Ottawa because you can start at 8.45, get uh, eight ends in before 10.45. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to play against him. So uh, he is a free mm -hmm. agent uh, from his team. He's a former uh, U-Sport champion for the Carlton Ravens. Uh, and so, like I said, we'll do a full recap of all the uh, lineup shifting once things have fully settled down and we get into the spring post all these world championships. because. 
We are looking forward still to the action on the ice and the teams that are playing, including us uh, as we continue our march towards the end of the season. So do follow along with us for that and subscribe. If you have not yet, wherever you get your podcasts, you likes, ratings, comments, all that good stuff helps other people find the show, keeps us growing. You can also head on over to gameofstonespod.com. All of our past episodes are there, plus the merch under the merch tab. All proceeds to the Sandra Schmirler Foundation and Food Bank Scanner. We're matching all that as well. Of course, you can follow along and let us know what you want to hear on the show. Game of Stones Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Game of Stones Podcast on Facebook. And you can reach out Game of Stones Podcast at gmail.com. So that is that. Scott, we played last night. We referenced it at the start of the show. We won. I yeah, skipped. I just needed needed our skipper back uh back in in the fold so yeah uh, we did a full win. rotation on skip till you lose without winning uh yeah. after my last losses <laughs> or, or after we had a nice run i got very lucky with some results as the skip uh then we had a four game losing streak and come back and uh it was weird like it was i was throwing skip i was lucky i played sunday and there was a real change in the ice and i, I felt so confident throwing draws last night uh, mm-hmm. I, I love that feeling when you're skipping and you just you, you know where it's going to go, uh, on a, especially on draws. It felt really nice. Yeah, it was pretty weird because I was sweeping your draws and I felt pretty good at knowing where you were going to put it as well. Uh, but then when it was my turn to throw, I think every shot I threw through. So uh, I had no <laughs> no feel for it while I was throwing, but I could judge it pretty well from uh, your throws. So yeah, good on. And now that you're going to Vegas, we're going to have to figure out a way to keep this winning streak alive because, of course, Sean, Barbucks are on the line. Last draw. We're two games in. We're 2-0. and And uh, if we can win uh, all three, certainly, but if you win two of the next three, uh, very likely that Barbucks will be in our future. So that is the goal. So uh, hopefully we can pull it off. And hopefully everyone out there, if you're out there playing, coming to the end of your season, hopefully you have a good one. I know a lot of folks are actually gearing up for seasons in places where you can get that ice in the summer in some of the arena leagues. So uh, love hearing stories about how things are going for you. Uh, so do feel free to reach out. Love uh, love hearing about those. It's not all about the stuff on TV that uh, makes this sport great. It's the mm-hmm. stuff that happens, uh, those minor victories, like a draw against five in the second end uh, to potentially save a game. So there you have it. Uh, anything else, Scott? Nope, that's all. You you got to go, I think. Yes, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We certainly do appreciate it. We'll be back with you nearly live from Las Vegas next week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final...